0: Subject, dry place. Any of you ever been in a dry place spiritually? Any of you Christians? Because if you are, you've been in a dry place. Um, I know that the enemy will seek to give you dry places and and the Lord will walk with you right through those things but it is also the will of God sometimes that we are in a dry place. And that is, uh, that's very interesting when, when we get the world in an uproar and a turmoil like it is in the Middle East and other parts of the world. Uh, we say God's got everything under control, and, I, and that means so many different things to different people. If, if that means that God is moving the armies around and, and doing the foreign policy for all of these nations and so forth. Uh, the Lord, the Lord in, is interested in that stuff and maybe in that, but sometimes the Lord ju- just lets us beat our head against the wall or beat our head against each other. So he is sovereign up here and he is operating the uh, nations. By the way, uh, The book of Acts teaches us that he, God, sets the boundaries of nations. Did you know it's in there? Read the book. Read the book. Um, So we have the sovereignty of God here. Then underneath that, we, we have decisions to make. And sometimes our decisions lead us right straight into a dry place. So the Lord can lead us into a dry place, we can set up dry places for ourselves, and the enemy of our souls certainly sets you up for a dry place, because if he can keep you there and get you discouraged, you are much more vulnerable and will not be walking by faith the way he intends for you to. So I I just, in my introduction, my notes, quote, dry places come with some regularity. I think that's a safe statement. Um, now, when the Holy Spirit leads you into a dry place, you can come out of that absolutely altered forever. The, uh, the picture in the Scripture is Jesus being, the, one translation says, driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was after his water baptism. Driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he was there one of the one of the gospels says he was there with the wild animals. It was a wild place. I was driven once by the spirit into a dry place because the Lord had some stuff he wanted to do in my life, and so he he set this thing up. It was in February of uh, 450 years ago or something, it was a while ago in Winslow, Arizona, and in a February, the regular doubts that you have to deal with and the frustrations of not getting your prayers answered that you have to deal with from time to time, all of that stuff suddenly got larger than I could process, and I, my faith just went clunk, and this was really really scary because I was a pastor and uh, we don't do well in in our denomination if we don't have faith now the Methodist pastor in that town wasn't sure whether there was a God or not that was his testimony it was curious to us why he was in the ministry but that was another story but in, in the Assemblies of God, you, you know, you got to know there's a God and you got to have contact with him and that you got to believe that he will come and mess with our needs and help us and deliver us and do all that stuff. That's, that's part of who we are and what we believe. So this went on for about, uh, oh, 10 days. I'm so glad I was in the pastorate because I had to move. I had, to, I had to make up my mind what was going on and either make the decision and get out or meet God because you couldn't stay that way very long. Now, I didn't lose my memory in that, in that I could still preach and pray for people and so forth. But there was this very large question that was unanswered in me is there a God? And you've heard my story about me walking with this thirty odd 6 out across. I was probably on to the Navajo Reservation, and that's about as desolate a place as there is in North America. And we would just, I would just go out a couple miles north of town and walk out across there, and if a jackrabbit got up, I would shoot at him. You can't hit a jackrabbit with a high-powered rifle with him running, but we'd shoot And I looked down in there in this high desert, because the elevation of that area was almost one mile above sea level, and there were these little spiral seashells, little tiny ones, smaller than a pencil. So we've got we've got this enigma. We've got is there a god? It was an overcast day, I happen to remember. Some of these things you can remember. And the Holy Spirit helped me to say, wait a minute. I can't answer seashells in the high desert. I can't answer why that person I prayed for did not get healed. But I'm here, and I'm real. And I did not evolve because... I looked at evolution in that process because that's what the world says, some of the world says, is the real deal. Well, you look at that, and it's like, boy, you got these monster leaps between stuff that can sort of be proven, and there's not anything tying them together so that it's, you have these appearances of these beings, but they're not connected very well. And so I, I said, you know what? I'm here and I'm real and I did not evolve. And that dry place led me into the greatest thing, led me into Christianity, okay, the real deal. And I was saved before that. I was so excited in the Lord after that, I, had, I decided that I'd never really been saved. But that was not intellectually honest. I finally had to get real. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, that's don't do that. That's playing with facts. The reality is I was turned on for the Lord and was was crazy and I, I am still in that thing and it happened over fifty years ago. Now that was a dry place that was engineered by the Lord and I thank him for it all the time. That is so great that he would take a blockheaded preacher's kid, insecure enough to act like he knew everything, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and just bring him down to the basics where is there a God? And I didn't know whether there was a God, but I knew there was something somewhere that made things. It might be a fog over on the edge of the universe, but something starts things. Because We don't start ourselves. We didn't do this. I did not evolve to get here. And if you believe in that, uh, boy, if you ever meet Jesus, you're going to blow the socks off all of us because you've got faith that's hard for me to imagine. You talk about believing in the invisible, which you have to do to be a good Christian, believe in the invisible. You can't see it. Where's God? Uh, Hey, that takes a lot less faith than to believe that we started From nothing, I mean, there was there was not an ocean, a sea of kind of chemicals with lightning and all this stuff. And where did the lightning and this stuff come from? There was nothing, nothing. Now start there, and you can see why I respect your faith much greater than mine. I do not, I can't believe that. I just don't have it. I'm sorry I looked at that, uh, put a little bit of energy into trying to get it to come together. No way, no way would it come together for me. So if you can believe that, man, I hope someday you meet Jesus, and it's going to be wonderful. You're going to mess with the gates of hell is what you're going to do, because that kind of faith will change things. Now, that's a dry place, and that's my story, and it, it came out... And I I, uh, did a little bit of a circuitous route to get my feet on the ground, but the Scripture became so important, and all of that stuff came out of that. David uh, experienced dry places. Now, sin in the world, it has these vast effects on our experiences, bring us dry uh, places. And we get fear, we get anger, we get discouragement, we get guilt and even despair, maybe other negative emotions I didn't list. That becomes a regular affair in dry places. So if you are in a dry place today, or if, if you're not, then pay close attention because you will be, and that's not a threat. That's just the way life is. Life just does that. And I want to read to you about a dry place That David was in. In Psalm 63, we read, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory, etc. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of that at this moment. I'll read it later. But uh, in a dry place, There is a tremendous potential, and we, I'm going to act. This, this sermon will actually be uh, broken up into three parts. Uh, Joe Gabbard is going to take the one next Sunday, and uh, when when the Father sees us in a dry place, and you see, He's the one that set Himself to make all things work together for good, all things, even dry places. It's like, oh no, I'm supposed to be praising God or something. I can tell you're going to tell me to, you know, and I'm, I'm so discouraged. This is a dry place of dry places. There is a purpose there that God is going to work and it's going to make you better in faith and more excited about the Lord. Keep your shirt on. The other day I was I met with a colleague of mine in the city. He's actually a Southern Baptist pastor that I have known for many, many years known him since he was a teenager, and he's now a local pastor here and they've had several tragedies in their life and, and I just just bumped into him in the, in the lobby of a hospital and visited with him a while and and I, I knew and do know the family, and know quite a bit of the stuff that he's going through, and uh, hard, 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 dry place. And one of the things I said is, just keep your shirt on, and I directed him to look at the Lord, and then when we were about to wind our conversation up after several minutes, he quoted that back to me, and I knew that that had been a word of prophecy, you never know, um, you try to say something that's going to be in line with the scripture and that will encourage them. But that was the word of the Lord to him because the next day he was going to crack the whip on some stuff. And the Lord just said, no, keep shirt on. Now, if you don't know, keep your shirt on. That means wait a little longer. (laughs) That's what that, you know, if you don't know the Greek, well, that's what that means. Um, In the dry place. There are three things, the ABCs, that we need to know and and work on, and we will do these in this series, and this morning we're going to talk about, A, we learn to alter our attitude. B is birth new beliefs, and C is change our consciousness. So, The first purpose of a dry place is to mess with our attitude, alter our attitude. Attitude attracts spirits. If you have the attitude of Jesus Christ, that calls for angelic help and Holy Spirit anointing. We'll get to that in just a minute. But if you have the attitude of I'm not going to I'm not going to forgive that person because they don't deserve it, that attitude attracts spirits that will cause you serious problems. It will show up in your emotions, it will show up in your spiritual life, it will show up in your physical body as a rule. So these attitudes are very, very important. And in a dry place, sometimes we just, it, I don't know what you do. I, I, I feel like I just kind of hunker down and hang on and keep my shirt on because I know that these things don't last forever and I'm going to be okay. Now, that's not a destructive attitude, but it's certainly not a very helpful attitude, so I want to, I want to talk about these attitudes. First of all, uh we talk about someone having quote an attitude unquote. And uh there are there are people that seem to live their life with an attitude which is negative in our street usage of that term. <clears throat> if you're doing that, I have good news for you. You can come out of that. You don't have to be at sword points with the world the rest of your life. We're not on the side of the world. The world is lost, and we're trying, we're trying to convert it. We are actually <clears throat> undercover agents for God Almighty trying to subvert the world system. But we don't do it with sword points. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that attitude needs to go away. One of the things that is in that attitude as a rule is rebellion. Authority over us, we just, it's just intolerable. And we just have an attitude, you know. You, you see these guys it, back in, when you're in school, or you guys that are in school, there are people who walk into the classroom with the attitude that this teacher's not going to teach me anything, and it's not going to cramp my style very much. And boy, that starts off day one for catastrophe. So you get, you get to go see your friends in, in detention, in school suspension, sometimes they call it, because of an attitude. Well, let me tell you that you may never come under authority but you will never conquer authority in this lifetime. You will always be at war. If you like war, that's a good way to have war because you'll always have personal conflict of a serious type if you have that attitude. You're not going to tell me anything. I remember the bumper sticker 100 years ago that said, question authority, and that's not a bad thing. As long as you don't have an attitude. Because if you have an attitude, if authority says it, it's going to be wrong. They could be dead right. They could be quoting scripture. But you're going to say, there they are again. Because the attitude filters everything and makes it all look Negative look bad. Now, the opposite of that is humility, the attitude in a dry place. If you will, if you will get yourself by the, the nap of the neck and take yourself into the prayer closet and say, kneel down or sit down or whatever you do in your prayer closet, get down here and get under the Lord and don't you move until you get it submitted to him and get under him. Now, if you do that in the dry place, it'll be a lot shorter and a lot wetter of a dry place. Of course, the the scripture that says this is Philippians 2, 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. You say, well, that's not very good for self-esteem. Don't worry about self. Self may be what got you in here. Self-image, self-esteem can be worked with in certain ways, but that gets really selfish really quickly if you're not careful. So do this thing. Take... This attitude. Your attitude should be made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearances of man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's your attitude. You want an attitude? Here it is. Get it. You say that's kind of harsh. Uh, it's it's worse than harsh. It is death to self. You say, I'm trying to build some self-esteem. You will build it much faster by going down and getting a foundation of humility and begin to meet God on that side. And as that begins to rise up, then you will see... God's hand on you, your self-esteem will be based in his call of you. And the world cannot really, really mess with that because the world can say to you, you are this or that or the other thing, very negative. Or as we used to say, you ain't nothing. They can say that. But if you have built faith in the humility of jesus christ the word of god is going to come through and say you are not that you're the one i chose you didn't choose me i chose you and that's who you are you are my choice i want you get over here you belong to me and he takes us on to raise honey and when you've got him as your daddy that daddy can whoop any of the other daddies on the block. That is our hope. That is our strength. The humility. You say, that doesn't make any sense. I agree. That is not, that, it's, it's uh, the world calls it, and it's a very good term, counterintuitive. This doesn't make sense. It just it matches about like that. But it works like a charm. Because it's the Word of God. It is the example of Jesus Christ. If you don't think it works, look what Jesus did. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, what happened to this guy who humbled and emptied himself and went down and became obedient? Humbled himself, went down, became obedient. What happened to him? Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. That's what happens to people. Now, you're not going to save the world. Jesus, in doing that, saved you from eternal damnation if you will move into that, and then set you on the path to know God Almighty whose will Jesus was doing. Now we we love the fact that redemption is is a fire escape. It's a ticket out of hell. Sign me up for that, honey. If that's the reason you came to the Lord, that's a perfectly good reason. However, there is a better reason than that. And if your attitude takes you down in the Lord and humbles you like Jesus and you follow him you will find that Jesus died so that you could know the father and be one with Jesus Christ have the image of Jesus Christ formed in you it's an amazing story this is what he did and sure you escape hell hallelujah hallelujah but there's something that's even better, and that's to be like Jesus Christ. So to get out of your dry place, start here. Number one, praise your way out. Psalm 63, 3, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing lips my, lips, my mouth will praise you. Praise the Lord. Church, there is, a, there is a mindset when we get a couple of years of college or something There's a place in there where people with a certain attitude that that doesn't get adjusted early, and they get a little bit of understanding about human emotions, they want to say, well, it's, I can't praise God when I feel like this, and they whine, and they have a team of people who whine with them, and when one gets down, the rest whine. And the other one, they get up just a little bit, and the next one gets down, and they all whine. If you remember one of those teams, uh, be absent at the next meeting of that, of that group. And, and try this. Just try this. This is a scientific challenge. I'm challenging you to try something. If you haven't done this before, praise the Lord. Psalm 103.1 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And we used to sing a chorus, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And I'd be listening to the youth group in in the room next to me in my study over on Blue Ridge Cutoff, and when they'd start singing that song, I'd start crying. It was a trigger. I don't know. I'm about to cry now because that's fun. It works. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Well, I don't feel like it. Okay. I don't know what that means. I didn't read that here. But isn't that dishonest? And here's where we get to see. Well, I need to be honest about my feelings. Why? They're human emotions. Human emotions. Human means they're not exalted above God. Emotions means they are responses to perceived circumstances. You you may not even be reading the circumstance correctly, but that's your perception. And we say perception is reality. So I I can't be happy because of X. Well, that sounds to me like you really like it where you are. <clears throat> Please try to fake a little piece when you come to church <clears throat> because I wouldn't want a visitor to come in and know how you really are because we sell stuff that's better than that, and you might as well. You're paying to be here anyway. You might as well get the good stuff. You are paying. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. That's a command. Just do it. You say I I don't i i i do it. Listen. I would not be so hard-nosed on this if I didn't work myself over and honey, I have to work myself over to do this. But I do it. It it finally happens. I finally start praising God right in the middle of whatever's going on. Praise your way out. Number 2, Pray your way out. Psalm 63, 6. On my dead bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the, shadows of, in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Pray your way out. That's David praying. And when I was talking about Jesus earlier going into the wilderness, he went in there and prayed. That's what he did. And the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. That was the will of God that he had that dry place. And it was to get better acquainted with his father. He had just been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And when he came out of that place, his ministry literally started out of the dry place because he prayed. And, and number three what we do to get out of the dry place is to prophesy our way out. What does that mean? Well, I was, I w- I was joking this morning with our guys that, and, and with the baptismal candidates because uh, <clears throat> it never occurred to me that their, their testimonies would dictate a certain order on the, on the video. And so I, I picked you, 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 and you in that order. And then it dawned on me that I don't know what order, maybe the videos don't dictate an order, maybe they do. Well, they did. So, Nick (laughs) came in. I said, Nick, tell us the order. And he said, you, 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 and you. And I said, I've been telling you I'm a prophet. (laughs) Because it was the same order. Now, that it's not very much proof. God help us if that's the proof. Anyway, that uh, what does prophet mean? I mean, you know, it gets spooky. We what, what? Well, let me tell you what, what. Prophecy is going to be hard to understand in this life because it is the mind of God breaking in to the mind of human on the basis of a gift of the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit is the one that that distributes those gifts. So what you are in the giving of these gifts and what you receive, and then there will will affect what's prophecy and how you prophesy and all of that stuff. And also, at any moment, any child of God is a candidate to hear a word from the Lord to help someone else. I'm not sure you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for that to happen. As a matter of fact, I don't think you do, but I can't prove that. I might get in trouble with my Pentecostal people if you quote me, so please don't. And, of course, we will edit it out of the, out of the file <coughs> before it goes. But here's the deal. The Lord is trying to encourage us. And if, if we will give ourselves over to the thoughts of, of the Spirit, the thoughts of the Lord, lined up with Scripture, in the Scripture, then we can prophesy. Now, Ezekiel, in the 37th chapter, was put in a dry place. Matter of fact, it was a whole valley filled with human skeletons that were totally, totally dry. And God said, prophesy. Now, folks, if you think that I have an interesting job trying to speak to you in a dry place and get you encouraged and get you to come out, this ain't nothing. He was talking to a valley full of human skeletons. The bones, the skeletons were scattered somewhat, they were not even together. And when he started prophesying, that whole valley began to rattle. And it wasn't seismic rattling. It wasn't an earthquake. It was those skeletons reclaiming their correct identity and location. And that was a picture, by the way, of the nation of Israel. And we today are still seeing a fulfillment of this guy prophesying in our news today, you will hear some of the effects of his prophesying in Ezekiel chapter 37. Listen for it. It'll be about Israel. And that's who he was prophesying to, and it was about them and their future and the hope And all of the promises of God, and it is going on to this day, and the most beautiful fulfillment of it has not even taken place yet. But boy, when he started prophesying, things started happening. So you say, how do I prophesy? I'm glad you ask. I don't know. So let me tell you what I would do if I were you. I would work on the praising the Lord a lot. And I would look around and see if I could see someone that I might have an encouraging word to share with them and just start there and let this spirit of prophecy begin to rise up and give these people encouragement. It could be family, it could be on the job or in the classroom, in the neighborhood, it could be family across the country, whatever. Get into the spirit of, you can prophesy your way out of a dry place. Let me just say it like this. When, when you start prophesying, and it becomes obvious, like in that, in that uh, hospital foyer where I was talking to, to my good buddy, man I respect so highly, but I had a word for him. And when I realized that I had just prophesied to him, Because he just picked up on, you know, when somebody speaks a word of prophecy to you, they might not even know what they're doing, but it registers all over your spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Am I just, am I talking through my hat? Is this real? You start doing that and your dry place gets wetter. You get a little shower. You might get a deluge. You will be coming out of the dry place. Now, just so you know what the scripture says about dry places isaiah forty one The poor and needy search for water, and there 's none that 's a dry place. their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within valleys, and I will turn desert the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs the poor and needy there symbolizes humility and poverty of spirit before god it's just that humility thing you want to get god's attention humble yourself but you can't stay in that place and walk tightly with god if you will come out you'll get another one later but you know if you've been through one and you didn't die it's like this looks familiar it's deja vu all over again here it is because we know that we are in the victory in christ jesus if you're not walking with jesus today i haven't said much about the lord and his redemption i talked about this is a way to get out of hell and it certainly is because if you're walking in jesus you can't go to hell and if you're not walking in Jesus, you can't go to heaven. And there's only the two places that we know of to go. Please come to Jesus today. He who died on the cross, humbled himself and did all of that stuff, rose from the dead to make you alive in Christ Jesus. These people who were water baptized earlier pictured The life that I invite you to and the present life you have needs to die. And we bury that corpse symbolically under the water and raise it symbolically in new life in Jesus Christ. God wants to walk with you. He wants to show you himself and form Jesus Christ in you. Before this service is over, we're going to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus personally. And we, he, it's not complicated. You can just meet him, a little child. We had an eight-year-old in that tank. That is so special because God loves little kids. And then, You know, if you don't become like a little child, as a matter of fact, you can't get in the kingdom. So interesting point there, but it's wonderful. Now, to those of you who are in a dry place, we we're, we're going to talk about this, the Lord willing, two more, two more weeks. But the, the power of God, the power of God to help you today is available, is available. Whatever you're going through, or maybe it's just nothing happening. You're not going through anything but nothing. And it, it is, it, this nothingness is so palpable, it's almost like a reality he loves you, and when the poor and needy seek water, and there's none, I, the Lord, will get them really, really wet, really wet. That's the promise. For those of you who are struggling today, I want to have a special prayer with you. In a moment, I'm going to ask us all to stand and ask the team to lead us in worship and for the next few minutes, we're going to pray for those of you that today would say, man, pray for me. I need, I need to get wet. Uh, don't drain the baptismal pool if you can just take me in there and, and dunk me. I, that's what I need. I need, to, I need to get out of this dry place. And those of you that need to start a walk with Jesus, when these others begin to come, would you come too? God will meet you here. Change your life now and eternally. May we stand.